the Medical School HQ Podcast, session number 37. Hello, and welcome back to another session here at the Medical School HQ Podcast. I'm your host, back with my co-host, Allison Gray. Hello. And together we are the podcast about medical school, taking you through the pre-med process, medical school, and even through residency. We're here to take your knowledge of becoming a physician to the next level. How you doing, Allison? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing excellent. What are we going to talk about today? We're talking about what it's like to be a medical student on the wards. All right. Yeah, so this podcast is going to release at the beginning of August. Students are starting to, well, actually, I guess we were thinking about students going back to school, but when you're on the wards, you've started already. Yeah, about a month in. Yeah, so there's a learning opportunity for you students out there, typically, School starts in August, right? You're you're used to that school schedule that starts in August. But after second year of medical school, you typically go straight into your ward years, your third year. There is no summer between second and third year. And that's to match you up with the calendar of the residents that are coming in as well. So... Yeah, unlike the rest of the world, July 1st becomes your new first year, first day of the year. So you, I think after your second year, you have a few weeks to study for step one, you do that exam, and, and then you're off running onto the wards. Before we get started talking about that topic, I do want to take a second to thank everybody that took a minute of their time and wrote an awesome five-star review there were actually a ton of them this last week. We have Cheryl OMM, who says, thank you. King Kong Ming, that's a great name, it says, use this, not SDN. <laughs> that's an awesome uh, review title there. Laporte says, a must-listen for pre-med students. Jamie Davis says, brilliant podcast. Uh, Tyrese, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. I, th- I think he put that in there to, to throw me for a loop as a last name. Unless it is his last name. It's a very long one. It says, uh, great resource. And Ptolemy says, great info for any pre-med. And Austin, Austin Newsom, valuable information. So tons of five-star reviews. Thank you, everybody that, that took the time. If you like what you hear and you haven't taken a, a second yet, please do go to medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes you can leave a review there. You can leave a rating. Five stars would be amazing. We're up to 55 five-star ratings, all five-star ratings. So awesome community. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. All right. Let's get uh, started talking about today's information. So as we said before, we chose this topic because a lot of students have just started their third year on the wards in medical school or they're switching rotations about to start. So we thought this would be a a great thing to discuss tonight. And as Ryan had mentioned, uh, third year is very different. Not only does it start a month earlier in July, but it's a very different type of learning. And uh, as you know, if you are a current third year medical student, 
it's a really different kind of academic environment. You're working, you're learning on your feet as opposed to in the classroom. And I should preface that by saying that not every medical school is like this. Some medical schools really do try to fully immerse you into a lot of heavy clinical experience from day one. But for the most part, most medical schools do have you really transition into the clinical environment full time once you hit third year. So let's start by talking about some of the general expectations, things that a third year medical student can expect when they start on the wards. This is where kind of the the rubber meets the road, right? This is why you went to medical school. You wanted to be in the hospital treating patients. So it's your first day is like you your pilgrimage to to Mecca and you finally made it and you should be really excited cuz you finally get to be in the hospital and take care of patients yet you are scared um poopless poopless yeah scared poopless and <laughs> stoolless that's that's <laughs> we're we're medical professionals we can say stoolless and it, this is going to be a repeating pattern in your life once you you hit third year, you're going to feel like you're not ready. Once you hit internship or, or residency, you're going to feel like you're not ready. And so you just need to make that leap and realize that you're going to have a team of interns, residents, attendings backing you. So you're not alone out there. But your your first day typically is going to be an orientation type day. They're not going to throw you to the wolves to begin they're going to sit down with you, tell you what the expectations are, give you a lay of the land, and and you'll hit the ground running. I, I think I can throw a couple more cliches in there. Um, <laughs> but you'll, you'll, you'll get started within a day or two and, and really get going and, and, and start acting like a physician. So the wards typically start very early. That's one thing that you'll you're probably going to have to adjust to and it starts with rounds let's let's first go through some definition things what's what's rounding allison so rounding refers to the discussion of the patients who are currently admitted to a service and rounding can mean sit rounds it can mean walk rounds and let's also not forget about pre-rounds so as Ryan said, things start really early, especially early if you're on a surgical rotation. We're talking five, even earlier than five earlier. o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you're probably getting to the hospital in the four o'clock hour. But don't be scared. Your body will adjust. <laughs> um, pre-rounds. What are pre-rounds? Pre-rounds are the time when you first arrive in the hospital in the morning, you throw your stuff into your locker and you start collecting your vitals. And you start uh, seeing your patients for the first time that day. So the expectation is that by the time you arrive at rounds to discuss with your senior people, meaning interns, residents, attendings, fellows, uh, you already have information to give to them uh, to present about how your patients, the patients that you were following, how they did last night, were there any events overnight were uh, what are the vitals from this morning and uh, how is the patient subjectively feeling? So then we can get into how to present a patient in another podcast, but just in brief, it's basically a subjective, then an exam that you did, and then going into 
what is the plan for the day? What, what is going on with this patient? What is the plan for the day? So pre-rounding is a key time when it's you and you get to just work with you, yourself, and, and, and you <laughs> going around and, and collecting all this key info and, and checking in with each of your patients. Yeah, and you're going into the room and waking the patient up and saying hello and, and, and asking them, talking to them, typically doing an exam by yourself. Checking in with the nurse as well is very important. Mm -hmm. Uh, Checking the chart for any earlier notes uh, from either late the night before or in the morning. And also I did leave out one important thing, which is that it's, it's very important to check in with the person who was on call overnight. Some programs have a night float system and the country in general is largely moving toward that, uh, in general, but many programs still have overnight calls. So you'd need to check in with the overnight medical student or the overnight intern or resident to find out were there any key problems or issues that came up overnight with your patients. Yeah. And and this is a great time to start honing your craft and honing your bedside manner. And it, it's really just a fact gathering mission. You're going around getting all the labs, getting the vitals, and, and bringing them back to your team so that you are a contributing member of the team. And remember, medicine nowadays is a team sport. So, absolutely. That's probably the biggest adjustment from second year to third year. You become part of a team and you got to learn to love it, whether you like working in teams or not, because that is the way of medicine these days. And, and, in most places, other members of your team are going to be other medical students. So when when you're rounding with them, when you're on rotation with them, they are your friend. They're, they're not your enemy. This is not where you, you try to shine or outshine them and, and throw them under the bus and try to outdo them. Yeah, that whole gunner concept can continue anytime through medical school. And believe me, it's not looked well upon by (laughs) residents and others. There are plenty of ways to self-promote, to uh, really shine, but without trying to outshine other people. The shelf exam is one key place where you can give it your all and and get a good score. Uh, That's usually a significant part of your, your grade, but there's also your clinical grade and your clinical grade is made up often of a, diff- a, a bunch of different things, including your presentations with the attending and your empathy and the way that your bedside manner with patients and your formulation of uh, your assessment and what is going on with this patient and your treatment plan. So it's a whole bunch of different things. And if you're a rock star and you come out with a, a awesome presentation and you're taking wonderful care of your patients and showing a great deal of care and and uh, consideration, that will show without you needing to try to one-up your peers. Uh, as Ryan said, it really is a team. And uh, that kind of, you know, trying to one-up people and gunnership, all that does is interfere with patient care. It does not help you. Yeah. Let's let's step back for a second. You mentioned the shelf exam. Let's define what a shelf exam is. Is because this is one area where I was a little naive going into the clinical years, thinking, okay, I I have the 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 school stuff behind me now. I can shine because this is mm-hmm. this is what I'm I'm here for. I don't need to worry about all those tests anymore. I, I'm here. I'm a people person. The attendings are going to love me. I have great bedside manner, and, and that's what my grade is going to be made up of. Right. So let us never forget that medical school teaches you how to be a professional test taker. And that continues through third year and fourth year. 
you have uh, the step exams, as we've talked about. We have, you have your step one exam, which is key. You also have your step two CK exam. And a lot of what's on that step two CK exam is based off of your shelf exams. Or the levels. Let's, let's not the forget levels. about our uh, DO friends. Yes, shelves and levels, right. So what are those exams? So for each required rotation and also sometimes your elective rotations in medical school, you will have a, an exam. And the exam is given at the end of the rotation. It's uh, usually a, an exam that covers the entire topic. So you can imagine that trying to create an exam all about internal medicine or surgery, general surgery, would be pretty tough. But they, they try to really do a, a comprehensive job in, in uh, testing your knowledge of that clinical rotation and the subject matter. Sometimes you may have associated oral uh, examination that goes along with that. I know that for Ryan and, and me, in uh, in our medical school, our OBGYN rotation, we had uh, both a written and an oral segment, which was very nerve-wracking. I don't remember that. <laughs> oh, well, you aced it. I, you probably just forgot about it. I blocked it, it out. <laughs> you did great on OB. Uh, so... The shelf exams are really important. They are hard exams. They're not a walk in the park. Uh, if you study during the rotation, you will do fine. And there are a couple of really key things to know uh, that can help you do well in the shelves or the levels. One of them is that don't just save the studying for the end. Don't fool yourself into thinking that just because you go and you you do a, a an awesome job every day on the wards that that knowledge you gain on your feet during the day is going to be enough to to get a great score on the shelf. It's not. The reason is, remember, medicine and surgery are extremely broad fields. So is psychiatry. I mean, these there's so much to be learned. So you may be seeing a ton of patients with pulmonary disease or GI disease, but you may not see really any cardiac disease. It all depends on the structure of the rotation, the kind of hospital and what people are sick with at that time. So it's really important that you are reading every night when you go home. And yeah, let me tell you, that is hard. Uh, Ryan and I can both attest to the fact that when you've been on your feet all day since five in the morning, you're running around seeing patients in the hospital, you're exhausted, and then you have to come home, cook dinner or eat some SpaghettiOs, whatever the hell you have around, and then you have to first sit down and study. That is hard, but it's really important. It will also help to to show the people who you're working with that you are actively learning and picking up knowledge. The other piece of advice that I would give for succeeding, doing well on the, sh- the exams at the end of each of these clinical rotations is that you read as you go. Ryan has brought up this concept uh, in prior podcasts about just-in-time learning. When you're on the wards, it's really key that if you admit a patient who has a particular disease, you read about it because that will stick with you. You will remember that patient, what they looked like, what what their exam was like, and, and through that patient, you will remember the disease, and that will help you on the shelf and in, in life in general in your career. Yeah, you're integrating it all together. What You're integrating all your senses at that point, what what the exam's like, so you're using your, your tactile sense, and what you saw with the patient, what you uh, read about, and so you're just trying to put sometimes what they smell like depending on diseases there's there's some diseases where smells go along with them so you're able to kind of integrate everything at that point everything sticks and you're not just shoving it in there for the test because 
the goal of this process is to make you a better clinician, right? It, it, it troubles me when I go online sometimes and see students talk about not going to class or not, not really learning. They just talk about how they spent their whole time cramming for a test, did well on it, and then moved on. Because that, that's really, it's such a disservice to your future patients, Mm-hmm. Because you're not actually learning the material. You're just learning how to take the tests and, and get a good grade on it. Absolutely. And there are some key procedural skills that you're going to learn on the fly. You can read about them forever, but until you actually do them, you're not going to really understand and know what that's like. Many schools now, or many, uh, I should say, academic medical centers have phlebotomists and um, nursing assistants, other staff who can help with a lot of the procedures. But uh, in, in a lot of the New York medical schools, and certainly where, where Ryan and I went to medical school, we did all of our blood draws on our own. Uh, we transported patients. Uh, I put in Foley's. Um, that Foley's collect urine, for those who don't know. <laughs> um, we did a lot of hands-on procedural stuff, getting arterial blood gas, um, doing lumbar punctures, peritoneal taps. I mean, you name it, all sorts of stuff. So uh, being active and, and learning um, on your feet like that will stick with you and, and be really important. Yeah. So let's talk about just a, a general day. So you get there at, before the sun's out, and you typically leave after the sun's out. So make sure that you see your primary care doctor and get a, a script for vitamin D because <laughs> uh, you're not going to see much sunlight during these these years. But the nice thing is that you won't hit traffic. <laughs> yeah, there's no traffic. Uh, okay, so you, you get there really early. We talked about pre-rounding, and you typically go into regular rounding or... or what we just call rounding. Sometimes it's the bedside. Sometimes it's just sitting around a table. And then what else goes on? Are you always seeing patients or are there learning opportunities? What else? Well, besides seeing patients, obviously, is a learning opportunity, but more classroom type settings? So there are. And uh, third year, while you're mainly on the wards, there are often built-in lectures. Um, that's usually a key component of your third year experience that within each rotation you have Uh, didactics and lectures to attend. Um, The other thing is that in the mornings, there is typically something called morning report. Some places call it intern report or resident report. And it's uh, an academic conference in which a case is often presented, uh, either one that was seen overnight, a patient who was seen and admitted, or just an interesting case. And it's a great opportunity to, to learn uh, to watch someone present a patient and to go through the the whole process of history taking and examination and and then formulating what people think is the diagnosis and the differential diagnosis, meaning the list of things that are possible for this patient and then the treatment plan. So it's it's a great um, great opportunity to learn and uh, see how a great presentation can be done, or maybe not such a great presentation. So that's an academic conference. Other academic conferences, many programs, uh, residency programs have noon conference, and that can be, again, a didactic, uh, a lecture, that can be um, a uh, chief's rounds, like a, a, a great opportunity to watch the chief of the department, the chairman, the chairwoman uh, examine, interview and examine an interesting patient from the wards, And in the afternoon, uh, many medical students will have, like I said, dedicated lectures that can be on a variety of different topics. 
sometimes uh, there are not lectures and certain days medical students uh, may be uh, working on uh, following up with each of their patients in the afternoon, uh, following up with them on different tests that they may have had. And when you're on call, that's a whole different experience because then you're in the afternoon, you're primarily starting to admit patients and the intern or resident you're working with may send you off to go start seeing a patient, interviewing them, examining them and coming back and discussing the case with you. And that can go on till the late evening or or even all night. And I think, Ryan, you should tell us, since uh, you remember better than I um, even, what's a day in the life of a surgical rotation? Because that can definitely be different. So for the most part, it's the same. You have to remember that when you're on a surgery rotation, it's still medicine. They just happen to be patients that have been cut open. And you're you're still doing all the same stuff. You're still taking care of a patient, looking at labs, looking at vitals, managing their care, managing their stay post-operatively. But as a medical student, the difference is going to be that typically you're going to be allowed to go into the operating room and start getting that experience in the OR. And one of the key things that you need to know as a medical student for your surgery rotation is that you have to be prepared. And and that means finding out what surgeries are the next day if you're with other medical students and it's kind of left up to you guys to figure out what you're going to go do and split up the the schedule amongst yourself, you need to figure out what operation you're going to see and then learn about that operation. Everything that you can learn. And it's not necessarily surgical techniques, although once you get further along and you start to do some elective rotations later on, if it if you want to do a residency in, in orthopedic surgery or general surgery, knowing some of those surgical techniques might help you stand out a little bit. But it's going to be anatomy. It, there's, there's going to be typically some common pitfalls with the surgery. What, what does the surgeon need to look out for? What nerves are in the way? What arteries are in the way? What are some of those things that, that might cause an, a problem during the surgery? And those are the questions that are going to be asked of you as a medical student by the attending. Yeah, so that is brings up actually another definition. So the art of pimping. <laughs> so you may hear this and think, that's gross. Why the hell are they talking about prostitution? But we're not. The art of pimping, what it means is uh, pimping is to ask a medical student or someone who is you know inferior to you on the hierarchy uh, about some part of a topic, medicine, surgery, whatever it may be. They ask you a question they, and often in front of other people and they expect you to know the answer. And the OR is a key place where medical students get pimped. Um, and for, for medical rotations, uh, the pimping is often done just on rounds. Um, so it, be prepared. <laughs> be prepared for that too. And don't uh, give yourself too hard a time if you don't know the answer. Many attendings will ask questions that they know medical students will not know the answers to. The whole point, again, is that you... All right, so that's kind of surgery in a nutshell and, and pimping. And, and I really don't know where the, the term pimping comes from, but I, I heard one good uh, acronym for it. It's put in my place. For... <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, so I like that one. 
also, let's just go back for one second, because on the surgery rotation, one of my biggest memories is being a retractor. (laughs) So when you're in the OR, you need to be prepared to be pimped and asked about questions uh, related to the surgery and the patient. But you also do have an opportunity to get your hands dirty. Two of the biggest things I remember from my surgery rotation are, number one, beware of the scrub nurse, and number two, uh, be prepared to stand on your feet and retract for a really long time <laughs> or hold the camera for the laparoscopic camera for uh, Coley surgeries. The scrub nurse is uh, someone that you should respect. You should respect everyone, obviously. But when you start your surgery rotation, hopefully someone will teach you about how to get sterile. And there's a whole process. You've probably seen it on Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) But you have to clean your hands with sterile uh, soap solution. You can't have any jewelry on. Many surgeons wear their wedding bands, uh, their rings around their neck. You have to clean everything. You have to... The the really scary part is actually when you go in the room because you back into it. Your hands are up in the air. You can't touch anything. And then, oops, you touched a sterile field. Now you're in big trouble. Or, oops, you touched uh, somebody else by accident. And you have to go back out and repeat the whole thing again. And if the scrub nurse tells you to do something, you do it. Because the last thing you want to do is ruin the sterile field that people have spent hours prepping for this person's surgery. Yeah, so... When, when you're first learning this big dance of going into the OR, keep your hands to yourself, stand away from everybody else, don't try to help unless you, you've, you've been watching the dance for a little while and, and you are 100% comfortable that you know what you're doing. And, and you know, once you're in there, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about, but there's things with when, when you gown up there's a, a tab typically that the surgeon will I hated that thing. Well, will hold out, and the scrub nurse will grab will grab it, and the surgeon will spin around, and it, it's it's like a belt that keeps the uh, gown closed. And as a med student, I always wanted to be the one that would grab it, and and sometimes they would not want me to, or the scrub nurse would kind of give me a dirty look. So, kind of know your place in the OR, and typically that place is far away from everything to begin with, but. Part of getting to know the scrub nurse, I, I think when you are when you first go in and you know you're going to be doing a case, go to the OR. You To go into the operating room before the patient's in there, before the case has started, you, you don't need to scrub up, but you do need to put on a mask typically uh, to cover your mouth. And a hairnet. Yeah, and a, and a whatever kind of hat that you want to wear. And you're going to go in and, and get your glove size and and give those to the scrub nurse because the scrub nurse is going to be in there setting up all the tools. And you're going to introduce yourself as the med student that's going to be in on the case and just start off on the right foot there. Definitely. Always introduce yourself. People don't like random people standing around in an OR. It makes people nervous. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the expectations that a resident might have for a medical student. You just graduated residency and you dealt with medical students all the time. What, instead of talking about expectations, let's talk about some of the, a few of the best examples that you saw of a medical student acting, something that really stood out to you. Sure. So some of my greatest memories of of rock star people always use those terms superstar rock star excellent uh, they all mean excellent outstanding medical students were 
students who were really enthusiastic and in a sincere way, enthusiastic, excited, eager to learn, and always, always eager to help out the team. So there are going to be some not so wonderful tasks to be to complete when you're a medical student, an intern, a resident, and even farther up the chain. And being able to embrace those tasks and just to say, yeah, let me go and grab that for you. And I don't mean coffee. If, if people are asking you to get coffee for them, that is scut. That's a whole nother topic, which is which is basically when you're asked to do something that has absolutely no educational value and only serves to make you do something which you kind of feel crappy about and is a waste of your time. Everyone can get their own coffee. You never need to feel like you have to get people coffee. Uh, so, but going back, I digress. So being really interested and excited and being willing, like I said, to take on really any task to help out your your team, uh, whether it's it's calling another medical center and saying, hey, we have this patient here who was transferred from your facility and we're trying to get a hold of the records. Maybe it's uh, going in and checking in on a patient who um, was um, not doing so well a little while ago and just giving the resident a heads up to say, okay, you know, the blood pressure's improved. I mean, someone who's not actively very sick, obviously, otherwise you'd be in the room. So these are just things that, that go a long way because medical students, um, you will feel tired at the end of every day. And that is only amplified when you're an intern and a resident. It's some of the most exhausting days, weeks, months, years of your life uh, when you're in your residency. And so having a medical student who just doesn't even think twice, but is just there and and happy and, and helpful, uh, happy to help at any point is just so huge. That goes such a long way. So, so that's a key thing. Another key uh, point would be that it's, it's important to have, uh, I would say, polished presentations. So when you first start out on the wards as a third year, you won't have as much experience in presenting patients on rounds as you will later on when you're a seasoned fourth year and you're doing your sub-internships and you're getting ready to graduate. But getting that practice at home, I remember Ryan and I used to recite some of our presentations to each other when we first started in third year just to, to try to get in the rhythm of it because it's, it's really kind of learning to speak in a new language. It's, a, it's, a, it's public speaking. Well, it's public speaking, yeah, and it's, it's really learning a new language. And you, you start learning all that medical jargon in your first two years, but you start actively using it and people, you, you start to communicate uh, in that way as a third year. So working on your presentations and also just really trying to formulate what you think is going on and a plan. When you, when you examine, when you take a history and examine a patient, that's fantastic. And those are the key things that you want to be really polishing as a third year. But the, the other big piece is your assessment and figuring out what is going on with this patient and how am I going to figure out how to help them and treat them best. So really trying to polish those pieces that, that is a key thing. Uh, that is important. Some don'ts, I think, would be <laughs> things that stood out for me that weren't so good. Uh, medical students who fell asleep during rounds, that does not look good. <laughs> um, yes, you were tired, but if you fall asleep during rounds when other people are trying to work and get things done for patient care, it doesn't look so good. Yeah, stand up. Something I learned in the military, if you think you're going to fall asleep, just stand up. They, yeah. You don't if if you're sitting down and you're you're feeling tired, stand up. Go go stand in behind some uh, against the wall or behind your chair. Just 
And if somebody looks at you, go, I, I'm, I was ready to fall asleep. I'm just standing up to get a little energy. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, don't fall asleep during rounds. Another one would be watch how much you're on your devices. Um, when we were third years, the Palm Pilot was out. My God, that makes me feel old. But now we everybody has iPads and iPhones. And uh, one of the things that you, you want to be careful of is that you don't want to have it look like you're constantly on your iPad during rounds when the attending is talking, when when the attending is teaching or when someone is presenting, because it makes it look like you're you're not paying attention, like you're distracted. Obviously, if you need to look something up, if you're taking notes, by all means, that's important. But but trying to just be careful that you're being attentive uh, because we communicate verbally. We're not communicating by electronics, at least not yet. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think those are some great tips. Yeah, there are plenty more, but those are those yeah. are some key ones that stand out. Uh, another one that I have is, again, I mentioned earlier, you're typically going to be working with other medical students. And at the end of the day, if it's slow, your resident will typically say, go home. There's nothing more for you to do. There's nothing more for you to learn here. Typically, the residents near the end of the day, if they're not admitting people, it's just a lot of sitting in front of the computer, checking labs, uh, ordering tests, and reading. Even yeah, reading. The residents do read themselves. It's it's a lot of computer work, writing notes, and so they don't really need you there for that. And so they'll send you home. If you're on a team of other med students, don't be that med student that stays behind. Leave together as a team. Yeah, it's it's a way of showing solidarity and teamwork in and of itself. And again, it's just a, a little like red flag that, oh, they're trying to one up their peers because the resident has just said, go home, guys. And, and now you're sticking around. It just it, it rubs people the wrong way. Yeah. I, and as, as you as a resident look at that student and go, what's wrong with this kid? Well, yeah. I, like, what are you doing? We just made a suggestion. We just gave you a direction. And now you're deciding to stay. Um it's not good. <laughs> and I would say on the flip side of that too, sometimes residents will get so wrapped up in what they're doing that they will forget that you are still there and that you need to have gone home. Uh, maybe they don't remember your call schedule. So don't be afraid to speak up. And uh, I remember this fear as a medical student thinking, oh God, I don't want to be the one to say, hey, is it okay if we go? Because it makes it look bad, us look bad. But really you can say, hey, look, uh, I was going to, and don't do this at like two o'clock in the afternoon. But if it's the end of the day, you know, hey, I, I'm going to uh, go home and, and uh, study for my my exam, my shelf exam. So uh, do you mind? Is that OK with you? And they'll probably say, sure, of course. Um, they might ask you to do one other thing before you leave. But that's don't be afraid of doing that. The last thing you want to do is be stuck there without your books and with not a lot of things to read and and just hanging out until you can get the blessing to go home. But that's also one other reminds me of one other thing. Make sure you have something to read with you on the wards, mm -hmm. a pocketbook. There are a huge number of different pocketbooks that you have. Um, and I don't mean like a purse. I mean like pocket guides for different specialties. And it's always good to have something to read on the fly, especially in the OR. Yeah. So. All right. So, one of the first things that was talked uh, told to us when we started medical school and definitely pertains to starting on the wards is eat when you can, sleep when you can, and don't F with the pancreas. Yep. <laughs> so always uh, bring a snack with you. Yes, power bars or almonds or whatever you want. Yep. Get plenty of sleep 
yeah. as, as much as you can because it'll be very little. And sleep in the on-call room when you're directed to go do that. Yes. Yep. Don't don't hide when you're working overnight. But if somebody says go to sleep, go to sleep. Yeah. And I think that's it. If if you guys have any suggestions, jump in. Go to medicalschoolhq.net slash session 37. Uh, jump in there and leave a comment and give us your tip. And there's one other thing I would just say. Some of you may be wondering, what are those key rotations in third year? It's just one other kind of key piece of information to leave people with. And it varies by school, but the typical required rotations in third year of medical school include internal medicine, and that can be a combination of inpatient and outpatient medicine with some clinic time, general surgery, um, pediatrics, pediatrics, <laughs> psychiatry, and uh, family medicine, sometimes that, that varies. Neurology should be required in every medical school. You're biased. <laughs> well, no, come on. Stroke is the third leading cause of death in this country, but that's a, day, a story for another day. But neurology is required at most medical schools. Uh, some of them, there are a few who don't have it, but, but neurology is required at most. And some do have emergency medicine or radiology, but again, those aren't uh, a given. Mm-hmm. So those are some some key things to, to look forward to. And even if you've just started on your third year, you have many more rotations to come and and enjoy. It's a really exciting time. And as Ryan said, it finally feels like you've arrived. You're at that time. This is what you've been waiting for all these years of uh, where you've been working toward this moment. So soak it in. And one final, really last final tip, keep an open mind. Uh, A lot of you are going to go into third year, quote unquote, knowing exactly what you want to do. But that might and usually does change as you go through the process. So keep an open mind. Don't go into a rotation and, and write it off because you think you're not going to like it at all because you may surprise yourself. So hopefully all that information was valuable to you today. We we try hard to bring you amazing content every day. If you do like it, medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes will Uh, bring you to the iTunes page where you can rate and review us. You can do it also from your iOS device right in the podcast app. Continue this conversation with us. If you have any other suggestions, any other tips for starting on the wards, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash session37 and leave a comment there. Or you can uh, join us on Twitter at medicalschoolhq.net. One parting uh, word... We have the academy that that we're starting, our membership site, which will be a strong, non-anonymous community where we bring you the experts. Alice and I will be in there answering questions. We'll have monthly webinars talking about all kinds of awesome awesome topics. You can go to jointheacademy.net to find out more about that. Get on the list, and we'll let you know when we launch that. So... Until the next time, we hope you join us here at the medical school headquarters.